Bart Simpson creative genius? What's it to ya? I'm from the internet. We'd like to turn Angry Dad into an animated series. Wow, Angry Dad, an internet cartoon. I'll be in cyberspace next to the Nabisco Cookie website. Hey, Soul Patch, you cut the line. <laughs> Here's my card. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode DABF13. It is a good one. It was about the uh, the dot com era of the early 2000s, late 90s. It is I Am Furious, Yellow. I Am Dando. And I Am Guy, Not Furious. Or, or Yellow for that matter. No, no not feeling at all. pretty Feeling pretty good. Don't know how Dando's feeling though because he fell prey to an internet scammer. Oh yeah, that, that and I'm not feeling too well. I've got the dreaded daycare cold. Just the daycare cough. Uh, and it's, it's like today I was taking Elliot around the, um, the the supermarket, and every three seconds he's coughing. So I'm just like, dude, cover your mouth, cover your mouth. Every time someone coughs in a supermarket now, <laughs> it's like every eyeball in the room just goes, <gasps> and just looks at you. You know, it's like Co- COVID baby. Yes, yes, COVID <laughs> baby. That's it. But um, yes, yeah, so I apologise, listeners, if I sound a bit under the weather. I'm doing my best. I'm going to try and get through this. Like I nearly lost it just saying welcome to Four Finger Discount. So I hope, hopefully, I can power through <laughs> this. But uh, yeah. So I got scammed by somebody on Gumtree. And upon reflection, I should have seen the signs, but I trust people. And I just didn't even didn't even enter my mind once that, hey, hey, this could be someone trying to scam me. It wasn't like some person saying, I'm a Nigerian prince, send me $10,000 in order to get the rest of my fortunes. It was someone selling. Well, I've, I've, I've <laughs> done that at least three times. I, you wouldn't know how many Nigerian royal family members I've actually saved from uh, from uh, from the breadline from poverty. <laughs> I'm 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 a I'm a legitimate hero. You are an absolute. Don't tell hero. me they're not real. You're a hero to me anyway. But so I was. <laughs> I really wanted Simpsons Lego, right? Because I got hmm. Nicola the latest Friends Lego as a present. She it's the apartments. So I got her that, and I thought I really wanted those Simpsons Lego sets. And I looked on eBay and stuff, and they were like five six hundred dollars a set. And I went, oh well, I'm not paying five hundred dollars a set. It's the Quickie Mart and the house, the Simpsons house. So I thought, all right, well, what I might do is I go on Gumtree because usually they're a little bit less on there because you don't have to pay the seller fees. So I went on Gumtree and this one person had a listing of about eight or ten different sets of, of Lego all sort of in the same room and they had the different prices listed and the, the Simpsons ones were 250 each. And I went, 500 for two? I can do that. It's a little bit over what they were worth when they first came at retail, but not much more than that. So I thought, yeah. oh, well, they're just trying to get their money back. So I thought, cool. So I said, yep, hey, can I grab those Simpsons sets? Yep, no worries. Um, they sent me the bank details, then said, hey, drop us your phone number, and I'll text you, and we can work out going from there, safe having to come on here and do a messaging all the time. I said, yep, no worries. I've done this before. It's easy to send text messages as, as opposed to going on Gumtree inbox, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I then, um, they sent me the bank details. I sent them my address. They said, great, no worries. Uh, let us know when you've sent the money and I will send you a tracking detail once I posted it first thing tomorrow or the day after. I went, beautiful. So their name was, it was J-U-A-N-I-T-A Juanita, I want to say. Walker. Juanita, that sounds Juanita, right. Yeah. Juanita Walker was the name they used, right? Mm. Uh, so, and it matched up with what they had on Gumtree. They said, hey, it's Juanita from Gumtree. So I sent the money, $500, sent the screenshot. They said, great, thanks so much, Brendan, appreciate it. Um, if I don't get your parcels out tomorrow, you'll get it on Wednesday. The tracking details, let me know once they arrive. That is the last communication they have made with me. They have disappeared off the face of the earth. All of their listings on Gumtree are gone. 
and they, uh, what was the other thing they did? Oh, they blocked my phone number because when I tried to call, it goes straight to message bank. I called via Nicola's phone. It just rings out. So their phone oh. is obviously a phone that operates. So I have a friend, a, a, good news. I thought I was done and dusted, right? Because I contacted Gumtree, yeah. Judy from Gumtree. She was lovely, but she said, basically, there's nothing we can do. You can contact the scammers hotline or whatever it is, the Victorian scamming, online scamming service. <laughs> They'll, uh, that she said, even though you might not get your money back, it's important that you report this so that future people don't get scammed, blah, 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 the triple. I'm like, cool, no worries. <laughs> but I have a friend. Uh, who was a police officer, went out and had coffee with him this ah. morning. Well, I didn't have coffee, but Nicola had coffee <laughs> with, his, with his wife. And he said, no, you go to the police station and they can actually get your money back. They said, if you've got the bank details, that money can be traced, particularly if it's an Australian bank account. It's not like you set a money yeah. order overseas or anything. So it's based in Sydney. It's a Commonwealth Bank based in Sydney. So he said, go to the police station and he himself is going to make sure that I get my oh. $500 back. <laughs> Sick the boys on him. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, awesome. So... It all worked out in the end, hopefully. He said, it might take a couple of weeks, but we'll get them. I'm like, yeah, you go get them. Yeah. In the meantime, Juanita, eyes on you. Yeah, Ooh. whoever you are. But the thing is, I have this bit of advice for listeners out there. If you're in Australia, I'm not sure if Gumtree is international, but I'm, I'm assuming because I hear a lot of people say about Craigslist in America. I think it's like the Craigslist of Australia. Sounds about right. If you're buying something off Gumtree, either always use PayPal <laughs> or do face-to-face meetup. Don't ever use bank deposit. I've used bank deposit time and time again. Never had an issue. Unfortunately, I got screwed over by this person here. Five hundred dollars. It's just. It's not even that much money. I know in the grand scheme of things, but it's enough. You know, it's 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 five hundred dollars. And I don't mind. I was saying to Nicola, if I crash my car and I have to pay five hundred dollars to fix it, so be it. But the fact yes. that this person, this prick, has just taken five hundred dollars out of my pocket that I've had to work and earn, nah. Hey, patrons out there, they've taken your patron money, $500 of it, taken it out of our pockets. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, patrons, they've stolen from you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's get them. Don't, don't be afraid to use the nails, boys. So <laughs> basically, yeah, don't use Gumtree if you're going to have to do a bank deposit. If they ask to use a bank deposit, don't do it. It's just not worth it because there's a chance mm. you could get scammed. And I had no idea that was ever an issue, even a possibility, but it is. Anyway, oh, I'd love to hear man. your stories, listeners. If you've ever been scammed, send them in. SimpsonsMailbag at gmail.com. SimpsonsMailbag at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your scam stories. Maybe you've scammed somebody else. Maybe you want to send Indeed. it anonymously and say you've scammed somebody. Yes. I could tell you the story of how I persuaded Dando to let me join the Four Finger Discount Podcast. What a scam! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You were the only man fit for the job, and I was glad that I scammed you into doing it. <laughs> All right, well, we, we've told tales of woe, or one particular mm. tale of woe. I mean, let's uh, let's earn that $500 back by regaling the patrons and all our other uh, friendly listeners with our opinion on I Am Furious Yellow. Here's my two cents. I liked it. thought it was pretty good. It was a really <laughs> fun episode. Oh, what I, f- I got very nostalgic watching it, particularly when they watched like that Bin Laden in a blender clip yeah. stuff it reminded me <laughs> there was a game when i was a kid that my dad and i used to play all the time it was called elf bowling did you ever play elf bowling i don't think i did okay so it was one of those early flash internet games where you would have to yeah. download the game to your computer but it was just the bowling pins were elves and you were santa claus <laughs> bowling the pin and they'd always have little wisecracks towards santa claus as you're bowling the balls it was cheap i think you can still get it somewhere if you look for it it was, it was. I mean, it was a terrible game compared to what we have now, but it was just easy and fun. I reckon it's hilarious. Somewhat of my vintage is probably thinking about, you know, the stuff that amused them as a young person, mm. you know, like um, Space Invaders and Pac-Man. 
someone of your vintage. It's probably um, Sega, Nintendo. Um, I'm Sega for sure. I never had a Nintendo when I was a kid. I was always Sonic the Hedgehog and Alex Kidd in Miracle World for me. Yeah. And I'm guessing that um, either millennials or Gen Z or whoever probably have these formative childhood memories of things like, um, like you mentioned, elf bowling or, you know, sort of weird... Weird little animations that yeah. uh, were all the rage on the uh, when the internet started to really gather speed in the uh, in the in the very early years of the twenty first century. One of the earliest things I can remember about the internet, besides games, was there used to be this picture going around that people would print it out, and if you stared at it long enough and then blinked at a wall, a picture of Jesus would appear. Did you ever see that one? <laughs> I probably saw it in like a magazine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, it's just, I just remember that being one of the things I was just like, whoa, man, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I Am Furious Yellow, yes, it was just very nostalgic for me, particularly because it just sort of encompassed that uh, early 2000s, late 90s, like I said in the intro, that dot-com era where websites were going, you know, the, the websites were booming, like they were, they were going huge, they were being watched by millions, and then a month later, it was the next one. They, just, they, couldn't, they couldn't last. You know, they kept going in and out of business, in and out of business, uh, but that, that early internet years uh, era. But I just thought it really did a great job. Not that it was trying to, it's just because it was a, a product of its time. But going back and Very watching it 20 so. years later, I just had a lot of fun watching this episode. I thought it was really fun. It was really good. Uh, I enjoyed this episode a lot as well. I did have a lot of fun with it. And yeah, you do. it is a reminder of that, uh, as you said, that period when, uh, as I said, the internet was starting to gather momentum. And any chancer out there... Uh, with a little bit of venture capital, uh, or no, could get a little bit of venture capital by mm. saying it's so and so on the internet. What? Yeah, throwing money at you. <laughs> you know, and I think there's maybe I don't know six people who cashed in doing that. But Jeff Bezos <laughs> is one of them. Said, "Hey, I've got an idea. Bookshop on the internet." <laughs> yeah, I mean, people at the time would have gone, "You're crazy!" Like so, the the. I think I've told this on the podcast before, years and years ago, but watched an episode of Judge Judy once, and she was telling the story how she was on the plane next to this person who was going to make the pitch for this little website called eBay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> eBay wasn't Judge even a Judy thing at the like, time. You're yeah. an idiot. Crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> ne- isn't it? You'll never make any money. I'll be seeing you before my bench soon enough. That's probably Judge Judy. <laughs> the other thing that, um, that made me nostalgic about this was, so this was pre-Iron Man, right? And we got a great yeah. cameo from Stan Lee in this episode. Awesome cameo from Stan Lee. One of the bigger guest stars we've had in recent times, if not ever, when you think of the grand scheme of things now. But in 2002, was that when this aired? 2002? I believe so. This is a 2002. This is the era when you actually had to introduce Stan Lee and sort of yes. tell people who he was. That's what, but, Stan but Lee, go, creator of Marvel Comics. I heard that and went, oh, wow, because at the time, no one fucking... I mean, p- comic fans would have known. N- nerds would have known, even I mean, geeks or whatever. But the, mm. the common person doesn't know who Stan Lee is. I mean, no, and I mean, it's around this time that Marvel, as well, is starting to sort of, again, gather speed. X-Men films. Where, yeah, and... and at least the first uh, Spider-Man movie, the first Sam Raimi one. Yes, that's very true. And yeah. and I'm wondering if uh, if Stan actually had cameos in those. I don't think he had cameos in the X-Men movies. I thought the Iron Man. May- I thought Iron Man was the first one. That's the first sort of acknowledged Marvel. If not Marvel Studios, then sort of oh, really the start. Wait, no, he, of he the was MCU. in Spider-Man, wasn't he? I'll, I'll I'll Google that now just to confirm. But yeah, continue. And he he also appeared in like the Ben Affleck Daredevil and and other uh, films like that, but. Yeah, I think it was really with the uh, the start of the MCU with Iron Man in 2008 that there was a huge promo push. It's like, 
you know who's really behind all this? It's Stan Lee. And here he is right here in a cameo. We've got him here. He says, in the original Spider-Man in 2002, he appeared... Uh, hang on. He appeared in the first battle with the Green Goblin, pulling a little girl away from falling debris. And in the DVD's deleted scenes, Lee plays a street vendor who tries to sell Peter Parker a pair of sunglasses. Okay. There you have it. Yeah. So from the beginning, he was always making cameos. And see, what that was—that's what people seem to love about Stanley. Obviously, apparently, he had his demons, and he was a little bit off, bit off the rails towards the end. There, we won't talk about that. But he genuinely loved what he did, didn't he? Oh, yeah, very much so. Look, I think Stan Lee enjoyed being Stan Lee a whole lot. Yes. And once uh, yeah, he became even more of a public figure, I mean, he was, of course, he was a cult figure and very much loved by a lot of com- uh, Marvel reader comics because he was the face of Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the bullpen and they had all these other things where it felt like Stan Lee was delivering you a new issue every month or whatever. There were little messages in there and there was a whole sort of uh, almost like a secret language that he helped coin in a lot of ways. You know, with Mm -hmm. terms like Make Mine Marvel and Excelsior and Enough Said and all that kind of stuff. You really felt like like Stan Lee was your guide into into this Marvel universe. Yeah. But yeah, when he really became a sort of beloved elder statesman type, particularly with the Marvel movies. Yeah, I think he really <laughs> would have dug that. It says he actually appeared in the original X-Men film in 2000. So from the very beginning, Did Lee he? appears as a hot dog stand vendor on the beach when uh, the newly mutated Senator Kelly emerges naked on shore after escaping uh, from uh, Magneto. There you go. Stan, Stan's getting his head in at every opportunity. Yeah, but uh, his guest appearance on this was, well, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fitting, you know, just you know, hanging out at the comic book store. Uh, at, at the time... People didn't really. Not people did. That's wrong. People knew who Stan Lee was. The common person, like my, I always use my mum as an example. My mum had no idea who Stan Lee is. Probably still doesn't know who Stan Lee is. But people like my mum now know who Stan Lee was, right? Who he is. In two thousand and two, they didn't. You could believe him just being this crazy old guy who just loves being <laughs> the guy that created Marvel Comics, going around and filling up stands with Marvel Comics. And I think he had sort of a strong enough ego that he probably would do that kind of thing. Yeah, he yeah. Would really. Uh, you would really groove on people saying, oh my God, Stan Lee, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the episode in general, though, being about Bart making the Angry Dad uh, online show, originally it was just a comic. It's just, what I thought was fun about this was that Bart's doing something that I think every young person, be it boy or girl, has thought about doing at some point in time. If you're a nerd or a geek, you've always thought, I can create a character. I can do something like Don't. this. Whether it be creating a movie character, a comic book character, you feel like you, you, you've, got, you've wanted to create this hero, haven't you? I, I have yeah. anyway, yeah. Absolutely. But I think the uh, the episode was also bang on in terms of um, the kids all uh, hearing about Danger Dog and going, well, I've got a new character named Danger Cat. Or, or Danger Dude, dog. but he's a dog. <laughs> or Danger Dude, but a dog. <laughs> I think particularly early in your creative um, surge or even mm. all throughout it you're probably just doing variations on things that you really dig yeah you know it's like you know what i really dug watching predator but i can't remake predator i can't get the rights of that but a, how about a good old-fashioned rip-off <laughs> <laughs> that's one that it's happened with jaws time and time again hasn't it and they've, but they've never been able to recapture what jaws did the closest thing that i've found and it's a different type of film but i really enjoyed i think it's called the shadows with oh, Blair, the shallows. The shallows. That's the one. Yeah, I, yeah. That, with Blake that was, Lively, that, that was scary, man. 
it's a really good movie. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm partial to a good shark movie, and that was a very, very good shark movie. Very yep. well made. Yeah. I thought Blake Lively was fantastic, and it's pretty much like a one-woman show, essentially. Mm. It's, it's her and a shark and, <laughs> and a seagull named Stephen Seagull. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> very cute. <laughs> but enough about Jaws. Uh, yeah, so I'm Furious Yellow. It's a double thumbs up for me. I just thought it was really good. I just loved the Stanley cameo, and I really thought, uh, as I said, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to start my own comic. I used to read Simpsons comics and think I can do this and try my own Simpsons comics. I'll try and find them around here somewhere. But I just thought that the storyline with Bart and uh, his own comic, get, getting inspiration from his dad, and it all blowing up in his face. It's just all nostalgic. It was, it was really good. Yeah, look, I thought it was a pretty slight story. I didn't think it was a whole lot of meat on the bone. No, no, but no. Uh, but the it's, meat that was there was actually nice choice cuts. You know, it's like, ooh, ooh, that's a that, that's a tasty bite. And this was written by uh, your friend and mine, John Schwartzwelder. Love that man. guy. Mm. And he just threw a lot of great one-liners in there, as is his want. A lot of weird. Um, Sort of esoteric pop culture references, as is also his want. I actually put a few of them up on the uh, on the Facebook page earlier. Just a, a good fun episode. Not not a lot of um not a lot of filler. No, oh, not actually, at all. No, actually, I take that back. There, there was a bit of there was a bit of filler, but the filler that was there was actually tasty filler. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a tasty filler. Mmm, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's good I filler. Just say, Ah, Giuseppe, that's a tasty filler. Ah, <laughs> uh, you see how you filler. <laughs> so we, the one there was one scene though that in this episode that it's sort of negative on the episode, but what it did was it really sort of it showed and it proved to me how the dynamic at the power plant has changed. In the mm-hmm. earlier years, the earlier seasons, it was employees versus staff. You know, it yep. was Mr. Burns was the tyrant. You wanted to make sure you're behaving around Mr. Burns. Everyone feared Mr. Burns. He was this scary guy, blah, 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 blah. Smithers was also a douchebag to the workers. It was just us and them, right? But there's a mm. scene here where Homer walks in and Lenny, Carl, Smithers and Burns are all watching Angry Dad on the computer. And I thought that visual there really encapsulates how the show, that dynamic at the power plant has changed because you would never see that in season five. It used to be workers against the bosses, and now it's everybody against Homer. Now, yeah, that's exactly it. It's just there's no that, that the whole dynamic of being afraid of the boss just doesn't exist anymore. It might it might still try and go back to that well, but it's lost its lost its flavour. True, it did, however, sort of predict that thing where there's a saying: every day or every week, there's mm. a person who's trending on Twitter. You should aim to be not that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the time when Homer is the internet sensation of the day or the week or whatever as a, as a result of being angry dead. Don't you just love it though when you go on Twitter and some random celebrity is just trending you're like, they're either dead or they've done something very juicy. Let's find out. Yeah, so, yeah you wake up, have, have a first look at Twitter. Ooh. And then you've got to do a little bit of detective work and sort of work backwards. What's, what's the original tweet? Yes, what's, that's what? it. Yeah, yeah. That's, been, that's since been deleted. You've got to find a screenshot of it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, it's, it's good fun. <laughs> Hey, my favourite! So what was your favourite moment from I Am Furious Yellow? Look, I had one or two. And I realised when I was doing a little research for this episode before watching it Mm. that, oh, this is the Angry Dad episode. And there's a line about Angry Dad that my friends used to say to me. Because despite my amiable presence and exterior, I can be a little bit of a hot-tempered gentleman. There can be occasions when I'll arc up a little bit. I'm usually justified in doing so. <laughs> but there would be occasions when I would, uh, my temper would be a bit shorter than others and my good friend Anthony would say at those times, let's send him into one of his trademark fits. 
<laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like your friends and yourself use the Simpsons more in your day-to-day life than you actually realised. It's like doing this podcast <laughs> made you realise, oh, yeah, I used to quote that all the time. Oh, yeah, we used to quote that all the time. Like Devil's Advocate was another one, you know? Oh, very much so, yeah. So um, let's in a minute. One of, my, one of his trademark fits was, my, was a good bit. <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything with Mo around that scene was funny. Like, look at me, I'm angry dad. I, I, I really like yeah, the fact that he's, look at me, like, he crashes the car and he's like laughing and saying ow at the same time. I don't know why that tickled me so much, but I just thought it was just funny. It was, just, it just, yeah. it was a funny visual. What else did you like uh, about the, it? There are a couple of other things. I thought this 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 struck me as sort of quintessential vintage Schwarzwelder. Mm-hmm. Um, Homer's trying to keep his temper, and you know, gets hit in the head. Paper boy, <laughs> you know, milkman, crash. <laughs> then piano lady yeah. <laughs> just gets hit by a piano. <laughs> it's the perfect example of the comedy rule of threes, where you yeah, know, dum, dum, yeah, yeah. But when they say piano lady, you're not expecting a piano to actually come, but one no. does. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was marvelous. I really liked um, Ned's Noah's Ark song, which I'm assuming we've heard before. I'm pretty sure Rod and Todd have sung that in the past. They sang it at the door, I believe, when Homer the Herit when Homer was skipping church. That's right. Yeah, maybe I don't quite. But they're singing it at the door, definitely. Yeah, but I've definitely heard Floody Floody before. But it was nice to get that back, um, and it was also nice to hear. Um, I believe it's Donovan's Mellow Yellow, isn't it? Did Donovan do Mellow Yellow? Ooh, let me double they check call that. Not too sure. Donovan did sing the one from the last episode, the uh, yeah, Where You Love Like Heaven. Yeah, they're really going through the Donovan songbook. I'm pretty sure Mellow Yellow is a Donovan track. Mellow Yellow is by Donovan, correct, yeah. Yeah, I just liked Homer singing along to it, but adding the quite rightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to like that bit. <laughs> I did enjoy it. What about you, Dana? What did you get? What did you get a kick out of this episode? I liked Homer watching when dinosaurs get drunk. <laughs> I've been there, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sinking into the tarpet. <laughs> the, 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 the joke being, for me, that in the episode Bark is an Elephant, Homer did sink in a tarpet. Ha! <laughs> the other part I really liked was, it's a Ralph line that I had no recollection of, but I thought it was really good. Oh, now I can't stand in line anymore. <laughs> I just think that was a great Ralph line. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> Really funny. He, he's so hard to get a handle on, our boy Ralph. He definitely is. <laughs> Alrighty, it's time for some trivia, Mr. Davis. But before then, we're going to take a quick break. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know. So who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, Mr. Davis, trivia time. I'll commence if you don't mind. Go right ahead. After Bart's friend's dad finished his speech at the, at the, uh, the speaker, whatever it was, the, the event at the, at the school, how long was left after he sat down? Oh, 56 minutes? Well played. Yes, that's correct. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about that whole bit because I thought that was very, very funny. Okay. Um, who was Groundskeeper Willie's nemesis who appeared at Career Day? Bonus point, what was his uh, Career Day's topic? Seamus was the name. <laughs> career Day, uh, how to bath in something for 45 minutes or something like that? He, he, he didn't give a talk, he just... 
sat in the bathtub drinking for 90 minutes. Yeah, 90 minutes, was it? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I have another question here that goes like this. Okay. How many years years ago did the voice of Angry Dad get paid? (laughs) I think we both have this. Oh, how many years ago? Yeah. Ah, oh, you're throwing a bit of a... uh, Uh, nine years ago. Well done, sir. Yes. <laughs> one of my questions as well. So, But that's good because I mean, I had one extra. So mm-hmm. it will be okay. Same as you. What is uh, Marge's preferred comic? Jesus. I don't even remember that being a topic of discussion. Favorite tonic, did you say? Comic. comic. Oh, comic. Oh, uh, little dot. Little dot. L- little dot. She yes. really did like dots. <laughs> was, that a pl- was that the um, the dot from the dot in the kangaroo and dot in the whale, those movies? or I don't think so. No, that I'm was an sure Australian thing, wasn't it? Because I used to, yes. I, honestly, as a kid, one of my favourite films was Dot and the Kangaroo, but I couldn't watch the end because it broke my heart too much. It made me too sad. I'm not sure I want to know what happens. I don't, ever th- I don't think I ever saw Dot and the oh, Kangaroo. Spo- spoiler alert for Dot and the Kangaroo. She's this little girl who gets lost in the bush. She befriends a kangaroo that can, she can talk to animals, blah, 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 whatever. It's a kid's film. Yeah. The way these films were made was they would animate over actual freeze frames or like they'd film it out in the bush and then animate the cartoon characters over the top of it so okay. the, the set design was real bush but she was just an animated mm-hmm. character anyway she befriends this kangaroo uh, the, the kangaroo saves her from this saves her from that like dingoes and whatnot and then the kangaroo helps her find her way home but then she says wait here kangaroo I'm gonna get my dad I wanna, want you to meet my dad and my uncle and the kangaroo says no worries I'll wait here but the kangaroo knowing that the dad would shoot her because, you know, shoot the king because he was a hunter kind of. He worked mm. on the farm. He would shoot her. She just starts crying and bails. Mm. And, of course, Dot gets back and she, the entire end credits is Dot going, Kangaroo! Oh, come, please oh. come back, Kangaroo! And it's just Kangaroo oh bouncing God. around, bouncing, bouncing away through the desert or through the bush. And, and she's just going, please, Kangaroo, please come back. And I just, I couldn't do it. It just, it's too sad. What the hell? It was oh. like, seriously, she's just this little girl that's just like, please come back, kangaroo. I didn't get to say goodbye, kangaroo. Please come back. Oh. And that's the end of the fucking movie. Seriously, this kid's movie. I was like, what are you doing to me? I've got to look up when Dot and the Kangaroo came out because, I mean, there was it a... Sounds like, it sounds like a late 80s kind of thing, doesn't it? Oh, it sounds like an early 80s or even a late 70s kind of thing. Because I think there was a, a long and proud tradition of traumatising kids with their animal-based entertainment in those decades. Dot and the Kangaroo came out in 1977. Wow, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because you've heard of Benji the dog, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Benji. yeah. Oh, Benji, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we had a school excursion to go to the movies to see Benji because, you know, clearly we ran out of lessons. And Benji, I don't think, has a whole lot of educational merit to it, but... I think there's a scene near the end of Benji, again, spoilers, where Benji cops a really nasty kick from this villain. Never In a theatre full of second grades or third grades, you just heard this... <gasps> but, again, double spoiler alert, I think Benji is all right. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, because he did go on to make myriad other Benji adventures. But, uh, yeah, they weren't afraid back in the day of roughing up our animal friends <laughs> for our entertainment or our emotional uh, trauma. I was aware that there was a sequel called Dot and the Whale. I had no idea there was eight sequels. So there's Around the World with Dot in 81, Dot and the Bunny in 83, Dot and the Koala in 85, Dot and Keto in 86, Dot and the Whale, 1986 as well, Dot and the Smugglers, 87, Dot Goes to Hollywood, 87, and Dot in Space, 1994. That's... 
she's up there with Jason Voorhees <laughs> and um and the dinosaurs from the Land Before Time. <laughs> no, right. That is so many sequels. Wow. Oh, the, the, the way James Cameron's going, there, how many Avatar films is going to be soon released? <laughs> if ever. Seriously, though, guys, Dot and the Kangaroo, that was a movie that just broke my heart. I, I, I love the film that as soon as they got back to that fence, her back fence, that was it. Turn it off. I hope you all heard Dando's inner child sort of coming to the fore during his recreation of that. I mean, ooh, you could you could hear little Brendan just like... <laughs> I, it, it was sad. I, I, I actually wept. It was that sad. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not mocking your pain. I know. No, you can mock me all you like. I, I should be mocked for it. It was just a cartoon. But my God, <laughs> did it hit me? Did it hit me hard? But how do we even talk about? Oh yeah. So I'm assuming that wasn't the dot she was talking about. <laughs> but when she said little dot, all I could think of was dot. Yeah. While I was half listening to your story, I was. <laughs> sorry. No, I was. I was also on the internet looking up little dot. Uh, a character from the Harvey Comics stable of characters who also brought you Casper the Friendly Ghost, Richie Rich, that uh, 1% a little piece of shit, uh, um, Hot Stuff, the Baby Devil. Do you remember Hot Stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that there was a cartoon just about a little a little demon, a little devil, a little yeah. Satan. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> um, but there's a character also named Little Dot. What Little Dot actually get up gets up to, I'm not sure. I think she just has sort of girly misadventures uh, while wearing a selection of dotted costumes. She looks a little like a baby uh, okay. Betty Rubble. So that sounds like a kind of comic that, that Marge would like and would want to copy, yes. Yes, I believe my, so. My next question is, what is the new name for Pizza Day? Oh, no. Luigi and Giuseppe the monkey are very happy about it. It is Italian American. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, for pizza. No, no, I do have that. Sorry. Okay. Italian American sauce bread day. Mm -hmm. So just back in 2002, (laughs) the Simpsons smashing those stereotypes, eh? Indeed. Railing against political correctness, Mm. either a little bit late or a little bit early. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, A question for you, Dando. Comic book guy describes uh, the penciling in Angry Dad as what? I don't know. I know he says that the it's off frame. Now, what is it? It is Sub Ziggy. Sub Ziggy, that is correct. Uh, <laughs> comic book guy in this episode was a grade A dick. But I, he was. It, but he was but, written but, so well in that this is how so many comic book store owners would behave. He was very in his element. Yeah. The opportunity to show off his, his wealth of knowledge, his expertise in various areas, and just lord it over everybody, except Stanley. <laughs> Because there used to be this fat dude that used to help run Cardmania in Geelong, the other guy being Nigel. Cardmania would eventually go on to become pop culture. Nigel still works for me. Nigel's an absolute champion. The fat guy that used to work with Nigel, though, you could just tell kids would rock up, and when the Pokemon cards were a thing, he'd open up his folder of all the Pokemon hologram cards and stuff, and he's like, that's right, children, bow down before me. You're king. (laughs) (laughs) God. Oh, man. Anyway, so my final question here is, is it my final question? Yeah, my final question. Actually, mm-hmm. I think it's your turn to ask me a question. No, no, you just asked me one. What state was Danger Dog from? Oh, man. No, uh, I know it. It's on the tip of my head. M. Michigan. Michigan. Well done. Ooh, thank you very much. I needed the M. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two more questions. Which one Ooh, will I give maybe. you? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's smash it on and then we'll get into our review. Okay. What is the name of the horse tranquilizer? Ooh, yo, I'm not going to get that one, no. Uh, Churchill Downers, which I thought was a really funny joke. Because <laughs> I think I believe Churchill Downs is the name of a famous racetrack in the US. I wonder if Swartzwelder comes up with those as well. 
or whether that's just something that they add in later on. Probably something they add in later on. Maybe, maybe. Oh, I'd like to think it's a Schwarzwelder touch. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. What's your last question? And uh, my last question is semi-related to that. What is the name of the organisation, the cleanup crew that is cleaning out BetterThanTV.com? It's on their T-shirt. I don't. I know. It's not a, a great time to be a repo man. That's all I know. It was, and he, that gentleman works for Repo Depot. Repo Depot, well, that's pretty simple, but it works. I like it. I like yep, it. Yep, yep, very well played. All right, guys, <laughs> stick around. After this short break, we'll come back with our full in-depth review of I Am Furious Yellow. Yes, guys, it is in fact time for some shout-outs. First of all, we're going to kick off with Kane Von Nagy and Dylan Haggett. They are this month's two $100 patrons. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Also, shout-outs to our $20 patrons, Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, who's actually now a $40 patron. Thank you so much, mate. Noah Daniel, Christopher Darby. Congratulations on making your way finally all the way from the UK to Australia, sir. I'm excited to finally have a beer with you, hopefully in the near future. Keith Nedham, our resident baker, Adam Sanderson, Bella Winderbank, Ben Smith, Daniel Kotnick, David Stewart, George McMenemy, Jonathan Rossi, Katie G, Mark Boston Burgess, Matt Thompson, Nick Patterson, Sean Devey, Shannon Hofer, Stephen Roberts, the iconic June fucking Richards, Tom Pickering, Zach Pruitt, the host of You Can't Disappoint a Podcast, a community podcast. Check it out. And Kevin, Dental Plan Flood. Thank you so much, guys, for being $20 patrons. Also, shout-outs to the following people. Mr. Andrew Swan, Joshua Webb, Gavin Shorthall, David, Nick James Bitch, as well as Fee Massey and Katie Hallett. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, the best way is by becoming a four-figure discount patron, where in return, you not only get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts, including... Guy and I going back and reviewing some of the classic episodes. This month we're doing Lisa on Ice. Cannot wait to finally review that one. But you also get access to the Facebook group, prize draws, this show and all our other shows weeks earlier and much, much more just by going to patreon.com slash fourfinger discount for as little as $1 per month supporting the show and getting a bunch of kickbacks in return. But even if you're not a patron and you just listen to the show, we appreciate the fact that you've been taking the time to do that. So thank you guys so much for your ongoing support. And now sit back and enjoy our review of I Am Furious Yellow. The original air date of I Am Furious Yellow was April 28th, 2002, directed by Chuck Sheets and written by, as Mr. Davis already mentioned, Mr. John Swatzwelder. There was no chalk gag, but the couch gag this week was the one they've already used before. It's the claw machine where Homer says, ow, my brain. It's very painful. Indeed. Before we get into uh, discussing the events of the episode, mm-hmm. Dando, may I get a little bit nerdy about the title of the episode? Go for it, yeah. I thought you would uh, eventually. I was wondering, I'm surprised you hadn't already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's cut to it. Uh, it's a bit of a riff on a film called I Am Curious, Brackets Yellow. Uh, mm-hmm. 1967 Swedish film that is apparently chock-a-block, or... Oh. I don't know if it's chocolate block, but it certainly contains a little bit of nudity and simulated sex, which in the sex-starved era of 1967 made it an absolute hit at the box office. Uh, it had earned something like 20 million bucks in the US, which is oh, like okay. in, in, the late six, yeah. in the late 60s for a foreign language film that is essentially a political drama, really. It's, it's just about this uh, young university student, this female university student in Sweden in the 1960s who's you know, sort of exploring the world and herself and I guess also her body. It's a bit like Rochelle Rochelle, an erotic journey from Milan to Minsk <laughs> on, on Seinfeld. But it was a, a huge sensation. Uh, our friend Johnny Carson talked about it on his Tonight Show. That was the way you got known, wasn't it? When Carson talked about you, you made it, yeah. Yep, and, you know, Ed, Ed McMahon's off the side going, hi uh, <laughs> 
But apparently, and I don't know how true this story is, but I certainly hope it is, former First Lady of the United States, Jackie, uh, Jackie O, uh, formerly Jackie Kennedy, uh, was apparently busted coming out of a cinema showing I Am Curious Yellow by a paparazzi. She judo-flipped that paparazzi and broke his camera. Well, there you go. That's good pub- publicity for the movie, isn't it? Sure is. So that is yeah. the background of I Am Curious Yellow, uh, which also has its sequel, I Am Curious Brackets Blue, which came out the uh, following year. Was that just a cash grab? Or? I think they were meant to be watched as like one one film, but they, oh, cut, okay. them into, yeah, they cut them into two, because blue and yellow are the colours of the Swedish flag. Speaking of, a bit of an interesting note, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> Anything's got to be cooler than that than that fucking lecture I just gave on Swedish cinema of the 1960s. People are like, wrap it up, wrap it up. This is worse than Gump Roast. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt Salmon, who pitched the idea for this episode, said the original plan was when Homer went, uh, dipped into green paint and became the Hulk or looked like the Hulk. They originally wanted it to be blue paint mm. because blue with yellow makes green. Yeah. I thought, it was, I thought it was interesting, but I think a lot of viewers would have gone, what? Yeah, how'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's clever, but I still, I don't know whether, does that make sense for that to happen? I don't think so. You've got to make one conceptual leap too many. I think, yeah, I think that. so. It's like, but it's, it was a clever concept to come up yeah. with. Though. And yeah. once you get it, you go, oh, oh, I like it. But yeah. Yeah, I think you sort of want to keep the ball rolling at that stage of the game. So it's like, no, no, let's just make him uh, make him green. The episode kicks off with career day. And you mentioned that you wanted to discuss this because you really enjoyed it. So we had Bart's friend's dad, a.k.a. Kirk Van Houten, giving a speech. So what did you like about this? I just, I just loved everything about Kirk in this. I mean, he was such a sad sack. Honestly, it was like he was a relation. It, it's like he's a soul brother or even a real brother or relation to Gil. Um, just just losing it every turn, and you know, any victory that he have is any victory he has is small and pathetic, and he's even sort of not called out by his son, but just even more embarrassing news with with Miller saying, "Do you know the mom's getting remarried?" <laughs> I felt so bad for Kirk. The thing is, though, he kind of deserves it because. Even when things aren't going... I understand why he likes to brag about this and that and sort of overcompensate for things and pretend and lie, but it's like, you're a bit of an idiot. You brought this on yourself. That's That's one thing thing I like about the show is that they've stuck with that. Once they got divorced, he and Luann, he's remained that sad sap forever. He's been pathetic forever since. It's just, yeah, it's great. (laughs) I'm glad they didn't sort of just go back to him being married again. I think they have since remarried again in a later season. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's just it's great seeing pathetic Kurt. It's hilarious. Yeah, love that. So that, it, the episode just got off to a great start, as far as I'm concerned, with uh, with just some Full Metal Kirk. Fantastic. That'd be a good title for an episode. Gets a writing. <laughs> it's where he, it's where the worm turns for Kirk, and he you know he, he sort of either buffs up or or takes some personal development course, like Anthony Robbins or something. Get Jordan Peterson on as the. Um, <laughs> As the motivator or something. With, yeah. with Jordan Peterson doing his high-pitched voice like that. Sorry, <laughs> terrible, terrible Jordan Peterson impersonation. Uh, we're Ben Skinner's office now. He and Krabappel are trying to work out how can we improve this because they don't want to... Ha- well, Mrs. K in particular doesn't want to get back to the classroom and look at their dead eyes or whatever it is of the kids. Yeah. Lisa's suddenly there and she suggests a few things. They go, oh, we're wondering why you were here, what the reason you were here for. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. It's like there's characters who are conveniently in the room to add something to the discussion who normally wouldn't be in the room with them. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you either have to come up with some convoluted explanation why you're there, or you just make a joke out of it, like as they did here, and they did it perfectly. It's just it's just beautiful line delivery by Harry. Much better than the uh, last week when he and Flanders uh, was it Flanders and Reverend. Yes. It, it, it sounded like his soul was destroying delivering those lines. <laughs> it sounded like he was doing it at gunpoint. Yeah. Yes, but we get the uh, the mention of William Seamus here. Lisa suggests that they do the, they go to the Springfield Speakers Bureau, and then they they fire Seamus. He has a fight with Willie. I think we get a, a bastard drop here. I was like, oh my! It's not often you get bastard dropping the Simpsons. True, true. By the way. I don't know if we've ever seen Seamus before this, but... We have not, to my knowledge, no. N- nice costume design on Seamus. I thought they, they went the extra yard in giving him personality through his, uh, through his outfit. We're now at the, uh, at the Bureau, and we get the Mr. Blackwell versus Mr. T. I actually liked this. Obviously, it's not Mr. <laughs> T doing the, uh, the quote, but I pity the fool who derives... Uh, what does he say? Who derives <laughs> confidence sure. from putting down a clothing of others. Uh, it's true. I hate myself. <laughs> uh, again, a little history lesson for viewers, uh, listeners who don't know who Mr. Blackwell is. He was like the early version of Fashion Police, you know, that show that had Joan Rivers on it where they, you know, sort of brought up pictures of paparazzi shots of celebrities wearing goodness only knows what. Oh, that looks terrible. I don't remember this show, but I could, I have slight recollection of the show. Was it like a, an E or something? It was, e? yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Blackwell was kind of a precursor to that. I, th- okay. I don't know if he had a newspaper column or, or whatever, but usually around Oscars time, you know, you'd have the celebs walking the red carpet in the latest haute couture, and Mr. Blackwell would sort of saunter out and go, oh, looks like she's wearing a garbage bag. I shouldn't be giving him such a queenie voice, although apparently he was a bit of a bitchy old queen. Um, but uh, Okay, that, so that, that joke makes so much more sense to me now because I had no idea yeah, who he was. Okay, that, there you go. Yeah. Mr. Blackwell was just a very harsh fashion critic who just called out people's poor or not even that poor fashion choices, but that was kind of his claim to fame. He did to fashion what you did to film. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> he, he did to fashion what I did to gump roast. Yeah. <laughs> so... Then Lisa finds Jeff Jenkins, the creator of Danger Dog. She says, this is the guy you want to do because kids love him. Created his cartoon that we all love watching. I thought there was going to be some sort of element of Itchy and Scratchy coming into this episode when I, when I saw this. But nothing, no mention of Itchy and Scratchy at all. I was surprised by this. Because it would have been a good opportunity, in my opinion, for kids getting bored. I know we've already done the board of Itchy and Scratchy. You need to refresh it and they bring in Poochie. But kids watching Itchy and Scratchy on television, TV, uh, TV animation, they get sucked into watching these you know, flavor of the month internet shows and then they go bust and eventually they go back to TV animation, a.k.a. The Simpsons. Yeah. Now, refresh my memory. Was was Danger Dog was a TV comedy, right? It wasn't an internet comedy. Jeff Jenkins was a... He, he put together a TV show, right? Oh, maybe Danger Dog was a... Oh, yeah, actually, you're right. I think it was yeah, a TV show. Because I was yeah, thinking... You're right, you're right, that, you're right, yes. I was thinking that Danger Dog was kind of taking the piss out of things like South Park and Family Guy. I saw it as that too. Yeah, definitely. Especially Family Guy, yeah. Yeah, South Park in the animation, Family Guy in the humour. Look, Danger Dog wasn't all bad. I mean, I, I actually really liked that it's this city of dogs or whatever and the, the town hall is the shape of a fire hydrant. thought that was pretty funny. It's called, it's called Nudeville. <laughs> yeah, no, Sarah the, Jessica Barker. And Sarah Jessica Barker and the kind of like, ah, that kind of name-droppy slightly snide, slightly snarky sort of humour that I yeah. think is very Seth MacFarlane-y. But I think the animation in it is kind of reminiscent of South Park as well. 
So it's the old school Simpsons guys taking a little bit of a dig at uh, at the uh, at the new kids on the block. Yeah, that's definitely a way of looking at it. I also liked the element of giving a sneak preview from the Easter special. It sort of had like a, a Comic-Con feel to it because now every Comic-Con they give a, a sneak peek at the film or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Comic-Con, are they ever going to return? Who knows? Good point. I, yeah. sure, I sure hope so because I, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was just like, man, conventions, like they, they used to be so fun. Know, our, lives, the- our lives have changed so much. You know, so much fun has been sucked out of life at the moment, yeah. When the opportunity returns for a lot of people to gather in one space... Oh, it's going to be so great, isn't it? It's going to be A, a proper San Diego Comic-Con, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going uh, to make the 60s look like the 80s. Danger Dog, Neuterville needs you. I hope this is important. I've got a hot date tonight with Sarah Jessica Barker. Nice! So here we have Jeff... And he says, if you zoom in, those barf chunks are actually pictures of the animators and their friends. That's something that the Simpsons would do themselves. You know what I, I mean? I think Just, so, yeah. Yeah. But then he asks if kids have any questions. So heaps of kids put their hands up. And then one of them asks, what state is he from? He says, Michigan. Two thirds of them put their hands down. <laughs> that to me is a joke that every Simpsons animator or writer or whatever at a Comic Con, yeah. first question they get asked is, what state was this, are the Simpsons based in? That's Got to be a play on that, right? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, very, very yeah. funny. He then says that school and church suck, which makes Skinner raise his eyebrows. This whole scene was apparently inspired by Matt Groening saying that, you mm. know, he, well, they, they, they always he thought was a that class if Matt Groening went back, if Matt Groening did this, this is exactly how his speech would go down. Yeah, <laughs> I used to draw in class all day. I didn't do well in school. I don't know if he didn't do well in school or not, but no, school wasn't a priority. I just became yeah. an animator. Look how much money I make, kids. Don't worry about school and church. Just fucking <laughs> just draw for a living. So that's where they got the inspiration for that. What, what would happen if Matt Granny went back to a primary school and talked about his, his job? And this is exactly how they thought it would pan out. <laughs> and Skinner was not a fan of it at all. So he sussed the fire drill, doesn't he? Or sus the, the fire alarm, yeah. He does. He is, he is sick of uh, Jeff glamorizing sass. <laughs> that's right. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then the kids are all drawing in class. This is what always happens. When you have a guest speaker come to a school, for the next like two or three days, everyone's doing, well, everyone's inspired yeah. by that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Real social contagion stuff. You know, when the uh, when the animal expert shows up with like a, their box of snakes or whatever, everybody, you know, hand the snake around and you know, for the next week or so, everyone's an expert on reptiles. You know, everyone's yeah. checking all the books out of the library about did you know that this snake does this? If this snake bites you, you're dead in 20 seconds. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have this uh, cartoonist come to our school, North Shore Primary School. Once mm. a year, his name was Joffa. I believe he was oh, from the Herald Sun. And he had a very distinct way of drawing uh, cartoons. I remember for years, I drew all my cartoons of people based off the model of what this guy taught me. Yeah, Joffa star. Stuck, stuck with me. Joffa, yeah. It's, it was um, I'll, I'll I'll draw one up and chuck it up in the Patreon group. It was just, Please it, do. it looks it looks silly, but it was just all my cartoons that I ever drew of people for the next two or three years, Joffa style. Like <laughs> this comic strip is lame and derivative. I'll be the judge of that. Oh, we, Stan Lee, creator of Marvel Comics. Greetings, true believers. <laughs> oh. Ooh, my heart is pounding like Thor's hammer on Dr. Doom's titanium-infused faceplate. Hey, aren't you the guy who was stalking Linda Carter? The term is courting. The restraining order says no, no, but her eyes say yes, yes. 
Let's see what you've got, son. <gasps> My spidey sense is tingling. It's that good? Whoa, did I say spidey? I meant stinky. Nuff said. What did I do wrong? Oh, I don't know. Try everything. Now hold on, comic book guy. This boy's still finding his voice. So you're saying I should keep trying? Absolutely. And if you fail, you can always open a comic book store. Stan Lee insulted me. But in Bizarro World, that means he likes me. <laughs> I love that he's replacing everything. He's putting... What did he put at the front? Like an X-Men comic in front of something else? And, in front uh, of Superman. Well, I thought... When I, cause I was sort of writing a note as that happened, I wasn't sure whether it was comic book guy doing it to suck up to Stan Lee or whether Stan Lee did it. No, it was Stan Lee. Yeah. I think it was Stan Lee doing it, yeah. It was definitely Stan Lee, yeah, yeah. But then we get his stinky senses tingling. Stan Lee tries to tell Bart, you know, it's, this isn't great, but you're finding your voice. He tells comic book guy to shut up. Don't worry about it. Um, just keep, keep sticking at it. And if all else fails, just open your own comic book store. I'm like, zing! <laughs> oh, what a burn on the on, on, on comic book guy. Ouch. Bart is now coming, coming up with ideas. Well, he's trying to come up with an idea for a new hero. We get... Batman, Green Lantern. Nicola was watching this at the time. She was like, that's pretty funny. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> then Marge suggests the uh, the little dot. Then we see Homer with the lawn chair. For some reason, I thought it was hilarious, the visual of it just closing on his tongue. It was so ludicrous, but it was just so funny. Just, it was, it was pretty, pretty neat, but then to top it all off with, oh, I hope no one's drawing this. <laughs> just, just, just before that uh, ah, I'm on fire Hell, we don't know <laughs> He's just on fire Just a, a beautiful combination of, of one-liners and visual humour it's, it's, it's a really good bit Really good stuff, like you said, yeah So this is where it gets the idea for Angry Dad A really good opening act Really, a lot happens, sets up the story Very funny stuff Absolutely We come back from commercial Bart is now drawing Homer in the car Homer thinks that Bart's just drawing because he loves him, but then we get the, the various road rage incidents. Oh, Homer, never, never more relatable than this moment. Does this happen <laughs> when your lane's going nowhere, but every other yeah. lane is? It's like, what the fuck is going on here? I'm putting on my Seinfeld members only jacket. Has this ever happened to you? You know, yeah. you, you'll be in the middle lane, and that's the only one that's going slow. Why is it going slow? It's like, what's going on here? But I just love Homer's, this slight inconvenience. Oh. It might, it might add two minutes to your drive, but it feels like the worst thing in the world. It does. It feels like you're going to be stranded there forever. Lousy minor <laughs> setback. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. That's right. Yeah, definitely good stuff. Homer is then watching when dinosaurs get drunk. I've well, been he, there, he, man. he would like to, but that is not on the cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been, oh, that's right. It's been cancelled. So it's now the boring world of Niels Bohr. Can you tell us who he is? Uh, he made fundamental or foundational contributions to understanding atomic structure and quantum theory. <laughs> uh, no, no, Niles. Niels Bohr is not that boring. I mean, that's fairly interesting stuff if, if science is your thing. Um, but yeah, I can imagine that Homer would rather watch drunken dinosaurs sinking into tar pits than, um, you know, an exploration of atomic structure and quantum physics when he's enjoying a duff on the couch. But Bart has set this all up for fail for Homer. He has uh, replaced the remote with his ice cream sandwich. And this ends in Bart being having more material, doesn't it? It does. It's such a, it's a really nasty trick to play on someone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I got a genuine lull when, uh, when he throws the ice cream sandwich at the, yeah, you because know, I thought it was the remote, and then he's, 
what it's splattered like that and then the yeah. dog starts eating it yeah like, oh he, he can't even salvage it it's like and now, the, oh, now i can't even find the remote oh yeah. it, <laughs> it's just cavalcade of nightmares have you ever had that nightmare where you've just spent ages making a sandwich or something and you're like oh this is gonna be a good sandwich and like you sit down on the couch and but you forget your drink so you put your tray next to you and you go up to the, t- the kitchen to get your drink and you come back and the dog's just licking at slips and it's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> or, or you have that moment where you sit on the couch and have, this happens to me quite a bit. We've had to get new trays now because of the result and the plate just goes whoop and slides off the tray or you drop the sandwich or whatever. Oh man, it's just the worst thing when you've spent ages making a meal and you're just about to eat it and it gets taken away from you. <laughs> My version of that is I'll be cutting up chicken or fish on the kitchen counter. I'll yeah. have to duck out of the kitchen for one moment. You come back and like there's a few bits of the chicken on the floor and basically, just, basically the cat has just run out of the kitchen. I'm like, you little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> do I not feed you enough? For like two seconds. Yeah, you get two meals a day. Why do you have to mess with this delightful chicken dish that I was about to whip up? God damn then it, go, man. Then you go out Benji on him and just give a big kick in the guts, right? Oh, uh, a little, a little tap on the butt. Yeah, <laughs> Bad get out of here. Get out of here. So, <laughs> yes, understandable why Homer would be, yes, quite furious at the um, at having his evening of television and ice cream sandwich ruined. Bart now has plenty of material, however, and he starts handing out all the angry dad at school. <laughs> I'm angry. That's something my dad would say. <laughs> something his, I, is it something his dads would say, it sounded like, did he? I'd say dads, did he? Oh, dads, okay. yes. <laughs> I felt really bad for Martin here, though, when Kearney punches him and gives him a broken bone. I was like, oh, oh my. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. you always assume it's just going to be like a bit of a dead arm or something that's going to hurt, maybe leave a bruise, but no, no broken bones. Ouch. How great was this next moment here with Lisa? Her, She's just one of those kids who... She can't handle mm. when Bart does something successful. She has to put it down. She's like, oh, it's no good. It's just that. It's just dad. It's just dad. And then Bart says, I can put you in it as no adult sister. <gasps> Ooh, yes. All of a sudden, because she's now involved, she enjoys it. And I'm yeah. like, this is the element of the Lisa character that I can, make, I can understand why so many people hate the Lisa character. She just <laughs> she can't handle Bart being successful at anything. That She's just willing to cut him down all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He takes it back to Comic Book Guy, and Comic Book Guy now deems it rack-worthy. My week-long dream has come true. Another great line from Swat's Wilder there. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, Stan Lee is still around. He never Stan went Lee home. never left, and Stan Lee's brain may not be in mint condition. <laughs> no, not at all. I loved here. It's a database. His voice is hilarious. It's the best. When he crams the thing into his Batmobile. Oh, oh. Only Batman fits in my Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> is that the kid's name? Database. Database. He's when it says, when the comet's coming towards Springfield, it's coming towards us at a fantastic speed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that whole oh, scene good. with you squashing the thing into the Batmobile. <laughs> you ruined it. Oh, I made yeah. it better. <laughs> Hold it, son. Wouldn't you rather have an exciting action figure? Ah, but only Batman fits in my Batmobile. Are you nuts? The thing fits in there perfectly. Look, he's fitting right now. Stan Lee came back? Stan Lee never left. And I'm starting to think that his mind is no longer in mint condition. Ah, ha, ha, you broke my Batmobile. Broke or made it? 
better. <laughs> Bart is then signing autographs. We get the Ralph line that I mentioned that I really enjoyed. Then a man from the internet who we never get a name of, I don't think. I don't believe we do. He's just, I'm a man from the internet. Mm. Well, he gets referred to as Soul Patch a couple of times, so we can just call him Soul Patch. <laughs> Let's call him Soul Patch. Yeah, he offers Bart a gig. Nelson punches him in the guts because he cut in line. Bart and Lisa then go to uh, the studios. It's called betterthantv.com. They get, so this year, they off, he offers him children's cappuccinos. Weren't a big deal at the time. They're normal now. A bubbuccino. Yeah. yeah whenever, Nic- whenever Nicola goes to get a coffee... Ali gets a baby Chino. But at the time, 2002, I guess it wasn't a thing. But there's also that whole thing about cool workspaces. Google's apparently like this, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if it was a 90s thing at all. I don't think it was an 80s thing in any way. Hey, man, we're in the 21st century. Time to combine work and play. So it's like, hey, you know, we've got stock options and a foosball table. Or What, about, got- what about the Wolf of Wall Street? That seemed very fun. It seemed very fun, but it also it seemed like a people, suit get, people t- getting shit done. Yeah, it was a suit and tie operation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, this is more like it wasn't pennies and fucking air hockey. Yeah, every day at BetterThanTV.com is Casual Friday. <laughs> so there, I think there were yeah. so many startups like that, and it's no wonder that so many of them just uh, <laughs> went down the toilet. So then he's showing them the, uh, the the various things like the Bin Laden in the blender. I got very nostalgic watching that. Lisa here. <laughs> Well, it delivers what it said it was going to. <laughs> like elf bowling. Yep, it's elf bowling. That's all it is. But yeah, there's no there's no income, but it's just going to give him stock. So who is Lou Rawls, by the way? Lou Rawls is a uh, a fairly well-known uh, soul singer, R&B singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just renowned for that uh, deep, soulful voice. What do they have him as? Lou Rawls PI or something? Or? A secret agent, yeah. Or oh, secret agent, yeah. So, again, one of those very early 2000 things of... Let's take two things that you wouldn't expect to smash together and smash them together. Uh, like when Pamela Anderson became a private detective in VIP. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Oh, God, <laughs> VIP. I'm going to track that down at some stage. <laughs> then we get the great metagay here of Dan voicing Angry Dad. I really like this. Yeah. Bart, meet the voice of Angry Dad. Okay, let's hear it. Well, I was thinking of something like... I'm a big fat idiot. Wow, I think we have our angry dad. Woohoo! When do I get paid? In 2012. Oh! Now we just add color. <laughs> In five minutes, it'll be on the World Wide Web. I can't wait that long. To pass the time, help yourself to some more stock. Crossy is then watching Angry Dad. In order to counteract this, he says, book the animal that chomps groins. So who is Susan Ant- Anton, by the way? Uh, Susan Anton is a singer and actress who was pretty big in the 80s. And interestingly enough, she was probably best known for going out with Dudley Moore. So what was the whole chomping on the groin bit about then? I, no, I think this is just one of John Schwartzwelder's, let's throw in a name that people haven't heard in a while. Just as a bit oh, of okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't like, was, I don't know whether there was a story there of her chomping on groins. I don't believe there's any... <laughs> Chopping on bi- groins in Susan Anton's past. Or bi- biting things in general. Yeah, okay. There you go. Fair <laughs> enough. So, Homer's workmates and Mr. Burns and Smith are all then watching it, and Homer realises here that he is, in fact, Angry Dad. Oh, what a day. Maybe the headlines will cheer me up. <laughs> it's opinion, not news. 
<laughs> that guy's hilarious. I especially like his white shirt and blue pants. Wait a second. Angry Dad is me! Yeah, didn't you know you've been world famous for an hour now? You're the Internet's number one non-porno site. Which makes you 10 trillionth overall. What kind of a monster would humiliate me like this? This has been a Bartoon presentation in association with Icarumba Entertainment. Why that little... Stupid Bartoon. <laughs> Bartoon, that's clever. <laughs> I'm gonna kill him. Look! It's internet buffoon, Angry Dead! Let's send him into one of his trademark fits! Hey, come on, make your eyeballs! Stop it! The more you rock, the angrier I get! You heard the freak! Leave me alone! <laughs> Look at me! I'm Angry Dad! Everyone's trying to make Homer angry. And whilst I did love Mo here in the sense that, like, look at me, I'm angry dad, and he crashes the car, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's just like Mo, to me, wasn't the right person for that role because it was Homer. Oh, okay. The way Mo was, was behaving, it was almost like it was someone he doesn't know. It was like, hey, look, it's the freak. Let's get him. It's like, mm. I don't know. Just It felt weird that Mo was the... Ca- it it would have fit Mo if it wasn't Homer. True. Unless they're, talk- they're trying to make some point about how... People just get caught up in in the moment of anything, any hype mm. moment or any internet sensation moment. You know, you'll you'll this, forget that, yeah. that there's someone you know behind the username on the Twitter account or whatever, and you're just sort of like, ah, let's all sink the boots into this person. It's like, eh, but it's a it's a real person who sort of made that made that gaffe and is the Twitter fool of the day. Don't care, kick it, sink it into him. So maybe yeah. that's that's sort of an an interpretation of that. I don't know. That's a bit of a stretch on my part, but uh, I'm just—I was just happy to hear Mo say, "Let's send him into one of his trademark fits." <laughs> <laughs> so Bart and Milhouse are then watching Angry Dad. Homer bursts in, and starts choking him. He tries to tell Marge that they're just rehearsing for the motion picture. Says he's going to be played by John Goodman, but who does Homer want to be played by? <laughs> Gary Oldman. <laughs> who wouldn't want to be played by Gary Oldman, right? True. I did like that. that was a John Goodman, too obvious a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa then says that, Homer, oh, Dad, you have an anger problem. You need to sort this out. I'm just passionate like all of us Greeks. I'm like, what? Homer's Greek? <laughs> no. He's punching the just, cat without even realising it. Just trying, to, just trying to find any excuse to um, yeah, rationalise his, <laughs> his hot temper. It's like, yeah. Well, you know, us Greeks are renowned for our hot tempers. <laughs> Don't think you qualify there, dude. He can't live without Rage Hole. So Lisa says, uh, you know, you, <laughs> Rage Hole. I love that. You're on, you're on the right path. Um, so Homer says, you know what? Oh, there actually was another funny line here. It's something like, you t- you've taken the first step. And Homer's like, is that the only step? <laughs> no. <laughs> but he says he's going to give up on anger, much as just also fatty foods. Not going to happen. Marge then finds Homer in the bathtub with soft music and horse tranquilizers. <laughs> Almost drowns. I, I, I take it or leave it that gag. I don't know. No, I didn't mind. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. I, as I said, I was I was a big fan of Churchill Downers before that. I also like Marge doing the little bounce test on the uh, on her bed on the bed. Yes, with the with the coin. Yeah, like yeah, the quarter bounce. 
<laughs> and clearly she's very good at, uh, you know, getting hospital corners and all that kind of stuff. Because pow, went by. I can't stand that. My feet have to be out when I'm in bed. I can't stand when the blanket's tucked in like that. Oh, are you a, are you a foot outside the outside the covers oh, guy? There's an episode of Seinfeld where George wants has to have the blanket. Like the blanket has to be loose. Yeah, I'm very much that. Like I I'm, cannot have the blankets tucked in. Hate it. I'm very much that too. I'll, when I stay with lovely Louise, she will sort of wrap herself up like a burrito, uh, and I'm always I've always got to have at least one foot out the side. Yeah, that's exactly how I am as well. If not, <laughs> usually I wake up with nothing. Like I usually go to bed not at the moment because I'm on the couch. I'm usually nude in bed. I usually always wake hey! up just nothing. <laughs> Ah, nothing can make me mad out here. Milkman. Piano lady. (laughs) (sighs) Must suppress rage. Come on, angry dad. Get angry. Don't make me do a clip show. And he starts growing these lumps on his neck. They yeah. didn't really go anywhere with the visual of that. I thought he could have maybe been turning into like the thing or something, you know, with all the lumps or whatever. But um, I don't know. I don't know. It, play, it plays it a role later been on, a bit, Yeah, it might have been a bit too gross, you know, if they sort mm. of resembled actual tumours or all over. Like that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Of course, Bart is watching this all go down. Seeing that Homer's all mellow now, he's not he's not venting out and getting his rage out. So I love the line here, don't make me do a clip do show. A clip show. <laughs> a, a, a great line to follow the clip show. Yes, very Indeed. good stuff. Oh, massive. A big flex by John Swartzwelder. It's like, <laughs> let me show you rookies how to do it. <laughs> yeah. So Flanders then uh, makes him even more and more angry by singing the song that you appreciated. Bart and Milhouse then set the trap and they go to the offices. But the company have gone bust. They've gone belly up. Yeah. But it's a golden age for the repo business. Oh, my God. What happened? They went belly up like all the other internet companies. Looks like the bubble burst. Bubbles can burst? Yeah, but it's a golden age for the repo business. One that shall never end. Bart, it's over. Ow. What do you mean it's over? We're bankrupt. The stock is at zero. But I have 52 million shares. What's 52 million times zero? And don't tell me it's zero! Bard, it's not about how much stock you have. It's about how much copper wire you can get out of the building with. Guys! They rip off the soul patch. This looks fucking painful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't... I've never un- I missed that bit. God, they repossessed his soul patch. Damn. Yeah. I've never understood the, the little patch there. It's like either go hard or go home. Yeah, I think it was. I don't think I ever did it. At the same time, if I was ever just grow just a mustache, I think I'd have to have the soul patch underneath. But at the same time, I'm never going to have just a mustache because the few times that I've shaved off my beard, and I thought, let's see how I look with just a mustache. I look like I belong on every watch list on the planet. You would not, you would not allow me within <laughs> ten kilometers of a school or a playground. I look like such a pervert. <laughs> Please take a photo of it next time you shave. I have to see it. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm sorry. This beard is going with me to the grave. <laughs> you don't. Uh, so, you don't want to see what's under this. <laughs> so then, Soul Patch steals all the copper wire out of the walls. But Milhouse sort of go. Oh well. Well, at least now we don't have to uh, worry about making up new content anymore. So that's the end of that 
uh, element to the story. But then they remember the trap that they set for Homer. Cue Homer singing, Mellow Yellow. Hello. Quite Whenever right I hear this song, you know what I think of? They call me Caramello Koala. <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think it sells in Australia anymore. Mellow Yellow, the drink. I've never they, even heard of it, mate. Have you what not heard it? of Mellow Yellow? It was nah, not at all. It was essentially solo, but a bit sweeter. Sort mm-hmm. of a. I think it's from the, from the fine folks who brought you Mountain Dew, and I forgot exactly Mountain when Dew's they. Mountain Dew's just never been a drink that I've had any interest in. I can't remember how many times I've tried it, but it wasn't many. I don't think it, I don't think my tasting of Mountain Dew has made it into double figures over the course of my lifetime. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Mm. Yeah, but Mellow Yellow was quite the drink for a while. Well, no, no, no. I think it tried to make a an inroad in Australia, but Australia's a solo nation, mate. <laughs> it really is the first quencher. <laughs> Homer then gets caught in the trap because he sees the free donuts and treehouse sign, goes through the cacti, the dirty diapers, and then we get the green paint. This another good line here. Thank God his pants stayed on. <laughs> Very true about Hulk. Have they have they ever explained in the Hulk movies how I think I think in the one with Edward Norton, the Incredible Hulk, he's travelling home from Mexico or South America or somewhere, and you know he wakes up and he's he's hulked out and he sort of wrapped himself up in in a few rags or whatever, but he he gets like a pair of tracksuit pants or lycra pants from. Uh, from a like a street vendor or something like that, and it's like okay, that's a nice little, nice little workaround because he, yeah, he realizes uh, if I'm going to Hulk out, I don't want to be sort of exposing people to Hulk dong. So yeah, I'd better, <laughs> I'd better have something that actually covers my shame. <laughs> it's one of those things where, as a fan of that series, you just have to accept it. Don't don't point fault. Even they're acknowledging that it doesn't make sense, but like you said, it's better than having a giant green dong in your face the entire film. Th- that is correct. I mean, I'm I'm amazed, and I'm. Maybe they have in the myriad MCU movies that uh, that have featured Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. You know, that you haven't had Tony Stark saying, hey, big guy, Jolly Green Giant, design you some pants, going to stretch, but also, you know, fit you when you like regular banner size. Hey, thanks, Tony Stark. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah, that's all I have to do. Yeah, I haven't seen... Those, I haven't seen... Has Ruffalo had his own Hulk film? No, no. I mean, I think with the two Hulk movies they did... Prior to making bringing Ruffalo in, the one with Eric Banner. So was, then, so was 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 um I know the Banner one wasn't, but was the Norton one meant to be? So did Ruffalo just replace Norton? Yeah, I mean apparently apparently Edward Norton was kind of like oh, I've got ideas about the Hulk and we should do this 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 and this, and I think Kevin Feige and the guys at MCU were like, eh, well we like this and this, but yeah stop. Yeah, you know, we've got a big, a big, big plan here, Mister Norton. So just, just calm down and just calm just, down and cash your checks, buddy. Just cash your check, buddy. You come and do do the good acting. Cash a check for the good acting. We'll throw some more checks at you later. And he's like, mm, I think I'm all about the art. It's like, well, I think we have got Mark Ruffalo, who's also about the art, but also knows how to go along to get along. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think those two solo Hulk movies both also showed that I don't know. I think it's pretty hard to base a whole a successful whole movie around the Hulk. I think he's good when he can be in a buddy comedy, like he's in Thor Ragnarok. Yes, that was such a, a shift of what we expected from the Hulk character, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, good. yeah. So I think, I don't think you can have a Hulk movie where it's just the Hulk. I mean, they've done, they've had two shots at it and I, I thought both of them were fine. I think the Eric Banner Hulk is a really, really interesting movie. I never I never saw the Banner one. I just always remember every kid had Hulk hands for that Christmas. 
that was the real legacy of that one. Hulk hands. Everyone had yeah. Hulk hands. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sorry, but enough about that. But yes, Homer turns into the Hulk and the yes. pants stay on. Apparently, that this episode in the lead up, uh, because of that element of seeing him as the Hulk, people were complaining and hanging shit on it, saying that they thought that Homer was actually going to transform into oh. the Hulk. And I thought, oh my God, has the, the Simpsons has jumped the shark, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you could argue it already has. If you want to, it's up to you. But they, was, they, they thought he was actually going to turn into the Hulk, which he doesn't. No. I must have missed something here. And correct me if I'm wrong. But did we or did we not see Homer do anything that came close to $10 million worth of damage? No, it certainly didn't seem that way. Because I swear he just punched a couple of signs and then the cops jumped on him. Yeah. And that was it. That's, that's, unless I was taking notes when I missed something, I don't know. No, no, that's a very good point, Dan. I didn't see you know anything. <laughs> I don't think there's ten million dollars worth of Springfield to damage. That, that's the other good point. Yeah, but the cops stop him. They all jump on him. And Stan Lee thinks that he's the Hulk. I would love to see the video of Stan Lee acting this scene. <laughs> just like you can tell, he would have been really doing the the fist clenching just trying to get the, the Hulk powers to come out I did it once before <laughs> there's that great picture of I guess middle aged Stan Lee yeah. you know he's he's got the wig and the moustache it's very he's, it looks very 70s and he's with I think someone dressed as Spider-Man and someone dressed as Thor or maybe maybe Lou Ferrigno's the Hulk but Stan Lee is sort of pulling a real muscle pose mm. he honestly God looks like just the most 70s swinger kind of guy it's hilarious <laughs> And yeah, that's the kind of image that I've got in my head with, of Stan Lee in the voice booth just rah, doing a doing a flex. <laughs> he can't be the Hulk. I'm the Hulk. Oh please, you couldn't even change into Bill Bixby. Come on, damn it, change. Ah, oh, forget it. I really did it once. Yes, yes. I just wish you had the power to leave my store. Almost had it there. Homer is now in hospital, and Hibbert says that Bart didn't do anything wrong. He actually saved Homer because we now know about the, the, the stress. He was suppressing all the stress. In fact, he should be on punishing Marge and Homer. He mentioned that he did $10 million worth of damage, and I'm like, where? How? What? Nah, I didn't, nah. didn't see any of that. But then they go fishing, and Bart is antagonizing Homer because he <laughs> loves him. Um, we get a couple of gags. You're like, you love a boy and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, take it or leave it. But the ending true, was, true. But it, it, was It's actually a pretty funny sweet. ending. It's a funny... It, it, it has its cake and eats it too, that ending. Yeah. Uh, Bart loves his dad. Uh, and he you know, gets to show it in the in the best possible way for Bart by being a little dick. Yeah. So it works out well. So I've got here kind of a sweet ending, I guess. Yeah. You know, no, just, I, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Bart and Homer out fishing together was just a cool visual to me anyway. It's something they do yeah. in the Simpsons movie. But yeah, yeah I, I just like seeing it here. They're out fishing together. Yeah. So I am Furious Yellow. All in all, I think it was a really solid thumbs up episode. For, for what we get now in season 13, if we're basing it on season 11 onwards, this is one of the better ones for sure. I really enjoy I seem to really enjoy any episode that has some sort of connection to the comic book store. I always go back to the worst episode ever. I really enjoyed that one where Bart and Milhouse take over the comic book store. I really liked that episode. Um, this one as well. So anything that sort of brings in the comic book aspect to it, the comic book store aspect, yeah. I tend to really enjoy, yeah. Yeah. Look, not an especially deep or insightful idea at the heart of this, uh, of no. this episode. But 
just really well executed. As I said, just a lot of nice visual humour, some terrific one-liners and uh, and pop culture references and bits like that. A little something for everybody. Sort of akin to yeah the episode with Dennis Weaver as um as the as the TV cowboy. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. I, so for me though, you watch a lot of the earlier Simpsons, and they're a real time capsule of the nineties. Mm. This one for me was the first one that really felt like a time capsule of the early 2000s. Absolutely. I found myself going back and watching a lot of movies from that era. Uh, and mm. not even good ones, but ones that seemed to really capture the, the mood and the look of, and the sound of yep. the times. And really it does feel, <laughs> of course it was a different era, it's 20 years ago. But it's amazing how much sort of time flies, it's like, Oh wow! Yeah, that's completely. That is so different to the way we're mm. living now and the way things are now. So it's legitimately got own its own nostalgia value now, which I think is hilarious and 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 fun to revisit. What did we learn, Palmer? So what'd you learn from the episode, Mister Davis? It's a lesson that I wish I'd learned uh, or paid better attention to at a young age, Dando, and that's mm. uh, that eating candy and attending movies that are above your age pay grade. Uh, are, are a great uh, way to uh-huh. sort of get into the, a great way to get into the career that you want. <laughs> yeah. So just do that. Don't pay attention in school, or you know, don't listen to what your guidance counselor says, or anything along those lines. Just you know, have a Snickers and uh, go see Deadpool three. Yeah, responsibility sucks, man. Oh God, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> From this day forward, your name shall be. All right, it's time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. Before we do, I'm going to run through the leaderboard. So in third position, we have Josh the Clipper Hedge on 12, Stephen Roberts on 13 points, and atop the leaderboard still just is Garode Harrahill on 15 points. So, Mr. Davis, what have they sent in this week? Some very uh, some very good titles this time cool. around, but uh, we're, go- we're going to stick it to uh, gold, silver, and bronze as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what have we got here? We're actually going to split... The one point. It's, so it's not half a point to each. Each of these gentlemen gets one point for uh, their play on a famous Marvel property with their coming up with a new name. We're talking about Lewis Douglas Kavanagh, the triple threat with a triple-barreled name. He gave us Rant Man. Mm, very good. Which I feel was appropriate. Just as appropriate was Philip the Hudson Hawk Hawkins with Iron Man, not Iron Man. Iron Man. Okay. Iron Man. Both Rant Man and Iron Man. That puts Phil Hawkins equal third position now, as it currently stands. How about that? How about that? Two points. Two points. Go to Garode, the high road, Harrah Hill. Wow, we Garode just stre- uh, streaming down the road, getting away from the rest of the pack there. Puts him up on 17. What did he send in this week? He is indeed. This is just simple but effective. Breaking Mad. Ah, I love it. I mean, Breaking Bad wasn't a thing in 2002, but it's 2021 now, Dando, so it does not matter. Well done, Garode. The three points. Again, it's quality and quantity Mm -hmm. from Josh the Clipper Hedge. Wowee. Josh knows that uh, it helps to have the good stuff, but what's even better than that is a lot of the good stuff. And he gave us a few, I've got to say. Check out these titles. Don't Draw Dad in Anger. So don't draw dad in anger. anger. Don't draw dad in anger. 
Wow, you make you mad. Wow, you've got a you got dulcet tones there, Dan. Though, <laughs> sure. Oh, you should break out the guitar and the case, and I'll you know <laughs> throw a few coins in there for you. Absolutely. So he gave us that, but he also gave us the disaster Bartist, which I thought was not bad, and also the incredible Hulk. Oh, now, it always works with the dough, doesn't it? <laughs> it does indeed. They were at, Josh the Clipper was not the only person who gave us that. By the way, shout out to Matt Riccardi. He gets the honourable mention this week. Not quite a point because, you know, Incred Dobel Hulk was the only one that Matt gave us. So an honourable mention, but Josh backed it up with a couple of other winners and therefore he gets three points. I'm a big fan of Don't Draw Dad in Anger. That's very well played, sir. So mm. the leaderboard now stands at this. Stephen Roberts on 13 points on third position. In second position, we have Josh Hedge on 15. And atop the leaderboard still by two points is Garode Harahill. There's only about... Four or three or four episodes left this season, something like that. So there's still time to catch up to him. Only two points. So it just takes another good Don't Draw Dad and Anger title, Josh, and you're going to be on top. <laughs> anyway, we all know Greg just keeps sending in the good stuff, so you're going to have to keep sending in the good stuff as well. Don't forget, if you get your name on the leaderboard at all, you are going to the wildcard draw at the end of the season to potentially win yourself $50 of cold hard cash. And whoever wins, I feel like, so we give 50 bucks to, to the wildcard. Yes. And 100 bucks to the winner. I feel like if you win, it should be more. It should be better than that. I don't know. It's, I an, entire, it's an entire season, you know? I think double is pretty good. It is. I'll work, what, I'll, work, I'll, I'll work out a prize of some kind to throw in with 100 bucks, I reckon. You're just a generous individual, Dando, so I'm sure you'll come up with something nice. I live to give. Javale! <laughs> Javale is here! Ooh! It is mailbag time for I Am Furious Yellow. Mr. Davis, the first question here comes from Mr. Reese Roberts. He says, what is your favorite Stan Lee cameo of all time? His has to be the Thor Ragnarok. Take the first one, Mr. I, I can't even really remember that many cameos from Stan Lee. I'm not a huge MCU fan. What about yourself? I would have to say, and I, be- I believe it's the last one that he recorded, or yeah, I think it would have to be, but it was in uh, the animated movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Which which I believe was released after Stan's death. And it was it just came across as a really lovely tribute to um to Stan and, you know, to the world that he helped create. And I think there was a lot of reverence and a lot of respect and a lot of love in it. I be- I remember seeing the film at the cinema and uh, when that came up, you could actually hear a bit of from from various nerds. So um and <laughs> and regular people too. Um, but uh <laughs> I always thought that the the one that he did in uh, Into the Spider-Verse was, yeah, really just a very, very nice one. And uh, one that sort of capped off a marvellous contribution to popular culture. What's that movie called? It's called Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. That's on mm. my um, really excited to watch list because it looks like a fantastic movie. I've had nothing but good things. I just haven't had the time. See, with movies now, I don't get a chance to watch movies because very rarely between work, kids and podcasts do I get two hours of Guaranteed uninterrupted Interrupted. time. No. And when I watch a movie, I like to know I'm going to go in and watch the movie. I hate going to a movie knowing there's potential for Elliot to wake <laughs> up or potential for a screaming kid to run through the room. So Into the Spider-Verse is a film I'm going to watch. I've got a big list of movies I want to check out. Another one is The Quiet Place because number two just came out. That's I really right, want to check yeah. out The Quiet Place as well. But yeah. So movie I watching, not, not, not a popular... <laughs> Pastime in the Dano household at the moment, but we will get I, back to those things. We will get back. I get the feeling days. that list is just going to get longer and longer and longer, and somewhere around maybe twenty twenty seven, you'll be like, "Time to catch up on all those movies <laughs> that I missed." <laughs> all right. So next question here, 
Andrew Pellicati says, What's your favourite MCU film? His is Civil War, mainly because of the triumphant return, spider, uh, spoiler alert, of the Spidey. Mm. Okay. That was, I remember that being a big deal when it first happened because no one saw it coming. It was in the trailer, wasn't it? It was in the trailer, yes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was just like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, favorite know, MCU film. It's funny, the original Iron Man, I remember, I, wasn't, I was never a real huge comic book guy. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Iron Man and going, huh, maybe I could get into these uh, superheroes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always liked Batman and Superman when I was a kid. Yeah. More, more so Batman. But the other ones, like the Iron Man, the Hulk, and things like that, who didn't really have films based on themselves up to that point. Well, they didn't no. at all. If they didn't have a movie about them, I didn't really care, you know? So Batman had plenty of movies that were targeted at kids as well. So I always liked Batman. He was my favorite hero. But I remember Iron Man, I think for me, because it was the first one that really made opened my eyes that there is a whole world of superheroes out there to enjoy and embrace. Yeah. So I think Iron Man, purely for that reason, has to be my favorite. That's a, a very good answer. And yeah, I, I like where you're coming from with that. I mean, uh, it's funny, looking back at the first few sort of MCU movies, like the, mm. the ones that introduced Iron Man and Captain America and, um, and Thor, you look at them now, and I mean, admittedly, they're decade and change old. So it's still sort of working out some of the kinks and all that. But it really wasn't until they all brought them together in the first Avengers movie, which is probably, which is one of my favourites. This this, um, this is how I'm answering Andrew, Andrew, Year of the Cat Pelicati in a very roundabout fashion. Um, I think the Avengers is a really, really good one. Uh, I think, and I think that's where the MCU really starts to come together. Others that I like, I'm a big fan of uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I think mm-hmm. that's, uh, it's a really good action movie is just a really good superhero movie as well. I mean, there's a lot of movie, ac- um, action scenes in it that are just completely badass. Uh, Cap going up against the um, the sort of the strike team in the elevator, I think, is incredibly well well staged, well shot, beautifully edited, and uh, yeah, really well done by uh, by Chris Evans as as Cap and you know all the people that are sort of beating the crap out of him. Um, and Iron Man three is one that I really like as well. I think it's a bit of a quid, quid pro quo by Robert Downey Jr. actually because. Uh, Iron Man Three is directed by a fellow named Shane Black, who I've mentioned on the on yeah, podcast Predator, many, many right? times. Predator, my hero. Um, he, is it Predator? He appeared in Predator, and I think they sort of brought him on board so he could do some script punch-ups. He wrote um, Lethal Weapon, The Last Boy Scout, mm-hmm. and he's uh, segued into directing. He, oh yeah, he did direct The Predator, the, the most new recent one. one. Yeah, but he was yeah. in the original. Yeah, but he was the guy who told the pussy jokes in the original yeah, Predator. Yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So back in around two thousand five or so. Robert Downey Jr. is kind of like, everyone's like, oh, this guy's a really good actor, but he also does all the drugs. And we're not sure if we can trust him. <laughs> he sleeps when, in little kids' bedrooms. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so when he was starting to get his act together, uh, he appeared in a movie direct, written and directed by Shane Black called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And a lot of people regard that as kind of an unofficial audition for Iron Man. So they wanted to see, he's like, oh, you know, he's, can he carry a gun? Can he be sort of convincing? He's a semi-tough guy. We know he's funny, but, you know, let's see how he goes in this kind of scenario. Can he stay sober as well? Can he stay sober? Yeah, so... And that's not, did, that's not, I'm not saying that in a funny way. It was like he, he, no, he had issues at the time, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, but Danny was on the straight and narrow. He was really good in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and um, he, he. I don't think he was the top of anyone's list to you know, head up an action-adventure franchise like Iron Man. But they gave him the role, and of course, you know, the rest is history. Cut to a few years later, I think RDJ basically said, 
I think I owe Shane Black a bit of a favour. Let's get him on board to direct Iron Man 3. And you could see... I, I like the first two Iron Man movies, but this one has a different sense of humour. It's a bit quirkier. It's a bit wittier. A bit snarkier. Downy. Lots, and... lots of pussy jokes. <laughs> Are there? I'm not sure I recall. <laughs> That's in the director's cut, or it should yeah. be. Yeah, so Iron Man 3 is one that I really, really enjoy as well. Okay, next one comes from Alex Jones. When playing with toys as a kid, did you ever mix characters from franchises, e.g. putting the thing inside the Batmobile, so to speak? Oh, you broke it. (laughs) Only Batman fits in my Batmobile. (laughs) I love that kid. What's his name? Database. Database, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. (laughs) He's like a mini version of one of the nerds that uh, Homer goes to college with. I'm pretty sure it's the same template, only yeah, smaller. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's oh, funny. Mr. Sampson. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I, I just love that voice. Right. Uh, uh, so toys that I used to mishmash. I definitely used to I definitely used to have Transformers versus Power Rangers when I was a kid. Ooh. I used to have my Megazord versus my Optimus Prime. They had some epic battles. Who, who would uh, variably won? It think? was always... I always had... Uh, let me think. It was usually Power Rangers, so Megazord would win because Megazord could branch into five different... Optimus Prime was either a truck or he was a robot. Mm-hmm. Megazord was five different machines that had the Pterodactyl, Triadosaurus, Triceratops, Sabertooth Tiger, Mastodon. So they had all these different variables oh. that could just go, oh yeah, you, you think you can beat a Mastodon? Try beating a fucking T-Rex and a Pterodactyl <laughs> and a Sabertooth Tiger. Wasn't going to happen, Optimus Prime, I'm afraid. Although I did love Optimus Prime. So that's, that's just some memories I have, definitely. I used to also... I would have my Street Sharks versus my Ninja Turtles. The irony being that the Street Sharks were just a blatant ripoff of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and for some reason, I think I used to always have the Street Sharks win. I, the Street Sharks were bigger toys. The Turtles were quite small. So okay. the, the, the Street Sharks were just, yeah, that was it. I used to have this shark, I think it was called Ripster. And if you twisted his arm, it would make his mouth go up and down like he was chomping. I'd be like, <laughs> oh no, bad news for you, Michelangelo. <laughs> it sounds like good times with the Dando household. Yeah. Um, I had a, certainly had an imagination. What about yourself? Did you ever mix two toys? I don't think I actually pitted them against each other. Mm. One thing that I tended to do was, and I never used the toys from certain things from certain franchises to actually play that franchise. I never played Star Wars with my Star Wars action figures. Really? No, no. I mean, there were two thing, two main things that I did. Although two stories that I'll tell you. One was that um, have you ever heard the? I think the full title is Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds. The the one that goes do 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 do. How fucking amazing is that score? Holy shit! It's brilliant. And I was I sort of was listening to that from when I was about maybe six or seven years old. I think my uncle Darren has let he's got the original record of it, and he let me borrow it. I listen to it just all the time. It is amazing. Yeah, I used to listen to it just heaps when I was a kid. Is that the one that has the talking in between as well? It does. It's got yeah. narration by... Yeah. It's like a story. It's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that really got into my head, and I I don't know, I think that has sort of... I think that's influenced a lot of the stories that I like and a lot of the things that I've sort of tried to write over the years. Yeah. People are afraid of a threat, and they're sort of running away from... They've got a band together. People you've never met before, people you might not like as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I, so I had a bunch of action figures from different things, like Star Wars or little toy cowboys or things like that. And they would form this ragtag band of like refugees <laughs> who were trying to get away from the gigantic Shogun warrior that I had that was basically like the um, like the Martians in this scenario. Yeah. So I love the part in that score where it's like, 
Oh. I might have to replay it tonight. I think it's such oh, a good mate, uh, Once you put it on, you'll just listen to the entire doom, thing. Doom, it's doom. unbelievable. <laughs> and my uncle Darren also has, because he, he, he got the original poster of that record cover. Like it came with a poster, like a big poster, poster size when you bought the record, the original one. And he's got that poster in a frame in his hallway. It looks amazing. Let me tell you something. We had a record player when I was growing up, but I didn't yeah. really like it. I mean, I was always, I was always scared that I'd scratch records, so I was always yeah. got tapes. I always got tapes instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I got the double tape thing of War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. But you know, once once you took out the case and you sort of folded it out, you know, you could clip something off that said, "If you want the War of the Worlds poster, send it to this address." Yeah, and I'm like, "Hell yes, I want the War of the Worlds poster." Yeah. So I very diligently wrote in, "Guy Davis, Four <laughs> Reed Street, Newtown, Geelong." Please send me a poster. <laughs> that was meant to sound like a child instead of sound like an old man. Like I was Benjamin, like I'm Benjamin Button or something. <laughs> like Carl from Up. <laughs> but I sent it off and I waited, 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 waited. It never came. Oh, it never came. That's so it sad. Never, I know. And I I probably bothered the folks one time too many saying, it's sent a whip with a poster. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll get my, I'll take a photo of my uncle's poster because it's probably the said poster, and I'll send, I'll let you see what it looks like. It's just the, it's just the cover, but just in giant poster format. It, it is like amazing. I could, yeah. I could probably get on eBay and get it for probably, either yeah. either an insane markup or thirty cents. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it is certainly. If you haven't checked out that, what who does it again, Jeff? It's a guy, guy named Jeff Wayne. I re- Jeff Wayne. Yeah. Given how much I know and well. Given how much I love the uh, the War of the Worlds musical extravaganza that he did, I don't know a lot about Jeff Wayne. I should really do some more research. But okay, yeah, check it out this check out this the score though. It's unbelievable. It's so fantastic, and yeah, so that was um, yeah a very big influence on me playing with my toys. Not not fighting against each other, banding together to survive against yes. against Shogun Warrior. That, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Kaylee Burton says, what was your favorite original internet meme? I really liked the, there was a picture and I think I said it was like in South Africa or something and it was a guy, you know, when they have a, an emergency helicopter in the ocean and the ladder goes down into the water. It was a guy just outside of the water and it clearly, I mean, it didn't, at the time it looked real, but you look back now and go, okay, it's clearly photoshopped. A giant shark just launching out of the water and it's like, this photo was taken moments before this man was devoured by a shark and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh man, that poor guy! Imagine how scary that would have been. Holy shit! Blah, blah, blah. It's clearly, it's fake. But at the time, that was always doing the rounds. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, there were two that I really liked. I'm not sure how recent or how old school they are, but uh, they were two characters. One named Good Guy Greg, and Good one guy named Greg, okay, and one named Scumbag Steve. Now, right. these were just like pictures taken at a party or something. And Good Guy oh, okay, Greg yeah. is just this guy who's sort of like. Leaning back, got a big smile on his face. He looks like he's got a like a a bit of a joint sticking out of his mouth. But he's very this. happy. Good guy, Greg. Yeah, he just looks like a cool, chill, happy individual. And oh, someone, I see, the, I see him. Yep, yep, yeah. And everyone sort of put these things on about him, like something bad happens, Greg fixes it, or so, so, sleeps he, on your couch, makes breakfast. <laughs> yeah, or I think my favorite one was like spills ashtray. Dude, where's your vacuum? <laughs> everyone, everyone in class sees he has gum. Gives everybody a piece. <laughs> yeah, good guy, Greg. Now, on the flip side of good guy, Greg is scumbag Steve, <laughs> who looks like he's wearing a lot of Ed Hardy or knockoff Louis Vuitton oh, stuff. He like looks a, like a scumbag. He does, yeah, with a 
sort of like a bucket cap, but backwards. Um, and yeah, it's the same thing, but sort of like the opposite. He's like Bizarro, good guy, Greg. Um, my favorite is, the way it's got, hey, can I borrow everything? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I've got, I've seen one here. Sold you weed, hangs out and smokes the lot with you. <laughs> So yeah, they're my they're my two favorites. Uh, two sides of the same coin. I've seen these now that you've said who they are, and I've seen the picture. But by title, yeah. I would have known it. But yeah, I always remember <laughs> good guy Greg. That's great. That picture was doing the rounds for sure. Also, love the um. I know this is one of the originals, but the the fuck yeah baby. You know, the oh fist. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found a really good one of those that I'll actually put up on the on the Facebook page as well. Yeah, a good one with the yeah the fuck yeah baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Final question here comes from Henrik Vinterland. And Henrik says, this one's mainly for Guy, apparently. What's your favourite, or who was your favourite MCU actor that you've interviewed? Well, considering I've interviewed nobody, take it away, Mr. Davis. <laughs> uh, thank you, Dando. This was this was an interesting one because I sort of had to go back through my history of uh, doing interviews over the past couple of decades. And also the many, many actors who are in the MCU, because there's a lot of them. And when I did my little Venn diagram, there weren't that many that crossed over. Um, I did speak with Chris Pratt uh, over the phone, who was a perfectly nice fella, but I won't say all that memorable. Um, was did you, I, can, can you just tell that he was just giving you the same answers he gave everybody else? He was just there doing his job, basically. A bit that way. And I don't want to disrespect the guy. I mean, mm. look, it, it was a perfectly good interview and I got everything I needed. But uh, at the same time, I wasn't walking away going, well, that Chris Pratt, what a dude. Um, I was just like, eh, Chris Pratt, nice guy. Good guy, Chris. Yeah. Um, Benicio Del Toro, who uh, had a brief role in Guardians of the Galaxy. I interviewed him. He was cool, but very, very um, enigmatic. He didn't not give me answers, but you're sort of looking and going, you've got a lot of secrets. I think there's stuff going on that you're not telling me. And, you know, that you're perfectly within your rights to do so. Uh, Jeremy Renner was one I spoke to. Uh, Hawkeye himself. I've heard he could be hit or miss with, with interviews. He was perfectly good to me. He was very okay. nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Good. But I, I'd have to say my favourite, and this was actually for the MC movie that he did, uh, was Chris Hemsworth. This was for Thor, for the first oh, one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, he, seems, just, he, he annoys me because it's like, how are you this nice and this handsome? I know. It's a, it's a little distressing to, <laughs> uh, to, us, to us mere mortals. Yeah. But I remember him sort of walking through the door of this uh, hotel suite that he was doing the interviews in. I swear to God, he was almost as tall as the door and he almost had to pivot to get through it because he was that broad. I mean, he yeah. still had a lot of Thor muscle on. And I thought, better be better be good to this guy because he can snap me into kindling. Uh, with <laughs> Just him. goes, donk, on top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need to take the, the elevator down to the, first, uh, down to the grand floor anymore. It's a donk. Just, just, just throws you out the window. <laughs> <laughs> very chill, very cool, very chill, very uh, very nice guy, Hemsworth. Uh, in my in in did my. Did you just create? A, did you just create a word? Cool and chul. chill together. Very chill. Chill. He was a very chill, dude. Let's, <laughs> let's see. If, let's see if we can make fetch happen, people. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> what chill doing? <laughs> in all honesty, who would you want to interview? Is it Robert Downey Jr.? Is that the one you'd love to have ten minutes with? I think so, uh, but I'd want more than ten minutes. But I don't, I, I'm not sure. You take you take what you could get though. RDJ Samuel L. Jackson. Mm, that's a um, big one. Yeah. Who and, out of those? Out of those two, if you had the choice, who are you going? I'd go with I'd go, go with Downey. 
You go with Downey. I thought you go with Samuel Jackson. I would. Um, I thought Samuel Jackson was in so many more of your favourite films, though. There is that. Oh God, it's a it's a really tough one. But I think Downey's got such an interesting story. Yeah. And I think if you got on the same wavelength as him, you could really get some interesting stuff out of it. You could tell. You could. He 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 has some great like interviews where you can tell he respects who's interviewing him. Yeah. So I think those will be my two. Although, given that I've been a, a Spider-Man since 1986, uh, I'd want to get a hold of Ultron and speak with James Spader. <laughs> yeah, you do love your Spader, don't you? I do indeed. <laughs> Alrighty, so that is the mailbag for I Am Furious Yellow. Hope you guys enjoyed the review. Next week we are reviewing the episode The Sweetest the Pooh, where a poo <gasps> cheats on Manjula. What? Bah, bah. Not only that, we're also going to be joined by our dear friend from at Daily Simpsons on Twitter on this day in Simpsons history, Mr. Neil Arsenti. He's going to be chatting about what he enjoyed, what he didn't enjoy about Swedish Snapoo, as well as just telling us all about what he's got coming up with his trivia nights and his Twitter pages and his Twitch streams and, and all that good stuff that he does. So that's on next week's show. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our incredible listeners out there? This podcast is opinion, not news. Shh.